0: welcome to off good ireland podcasts tonight we speak to mark Collette and sam milia mark and sam are grassroots nationalists they're on the ground working in the uk and they give us some pointers on how we can uh, reach more people on the ground here in ireland please like share and subscribe thank you very much folks Welcome everyone to Off Good Ireland podcast. Tonight we are interviewing Mark Killett and Sam Elia of the political group Patriotic Alternative based in the UK. They're an activist group engaging with the man on the street. We invited them on to share their experiences of activism on the coalface in Britain and how they engage with the public and what works and what doesn't work and and how they you know, inspire people and bring them along. Um, uh, while views being discussed tonight uh, may not align fully with everyone, it's important uh, groups who are on the Coalface are given a platform to share ideas and goals. Uh, Patriot- Patriotic Alternative have been nothing more than helpful and supportive when we reached out to them. I want to thank our good friend Joe Marsh, aka Welsh Nationalist, for all the help and support for tonight. Now let's welcome Mark Callet and Sam, um, we'll be on um, a bit later. Um, Mark Lett is a political activist. He is also an author of the book, The Fall of Western Man. Mark is the founder of the Patriotic Alternative in his younger days. Mark was youth leader of the British National Party. Welcome, Mark, to Off Good Ireland, home of the Irish podcast. I believe Sam will be joining us later. He is on a Tea Time, um, so he'll be on in a bit. Thanks for coming on, Mark
1: well it's a pleasure to be on thank you for inviting me on and hopefully i'll be able to give you guys some good advice or some tips that will help people i mean obviously uh, one of the most important things we have to realize is the golden era of internet nationalism is over and the golden era of internet nationalism was somewhere between around 2015 and 2018 and during that era you saw nationalist party or nationalist or nationalists and nationalist groups making huge, huge headway on sites like youtube, Facebook, um, Twitter. And since then, we've been largely deplatformed from those sites. and I'll, I'll give you some examples when I was on YouTube. I had nearly 100,000 subscribers. I had videos with over a million views. There were parties like Britain First here in the UK and Britain First had um, about 2.2 million followers on Facebook. More followers, in fact, than both the Conservative Party and the Labour Party put together in the UK. So huge amounts of um, support on social media for nationalists and for... um, (coughs) Uh, nationalist parties now all of that's gone now and it's gone because unfortunately the people who run the platforms hate us they can't stand us they don't want us on their platforms they want their platforms uh, free of people like us and they don't want the message that we push and when i say the message that we push i realize some people will have A different idea about politics than me. I'm sure that some of you are on a different page on certain things, but whether we're talking about nationalism, whether we're talking about demographics, whether we're talking about the migrant boats or whether we're talking about covid and the issues that we had during the lockdown, the people that run these Big social media companies don't want us on and they don't want us talking about the things that we hold dear. And they certainly don't want us reaching millions and millions of people as we used to with our message of truth and our message of hope for the people. So that leaves us in a difficult position. How do we get out there and how do we speak to the people? And unfortunately, we have to rely now on the old methods. And the old methods are leafleting, demonstrations, banner drops. They're going out there and dealing directly with the public as I used to years ago when I was in the British National Party. Uh, we didn't have a big social media presence back in the uh, early 2000s. You know, Facebook, Twitter, etc. they were just taking off. They weren't um, even seen as serious platforms at the time. and People weren't sure what was gonna happen with them. So we didn't have a huge social media presence. We did most things through our website and we basically tried to spread our message via leaflets or knocking on doors. They were the primary methods of spreading nationalism in the UK at the time. And we did that with great effect because we won it was 56 councillors one county councillor one gla member and two meps so we did very very well on a very small budget and using traditional methods but now we're back in that position again we're back in a position where we aren't um, lucky enough to be able to have these platforms that give us access to millions of people and we've been cut off from normal people. So when we we're on YouTube, you'd upload a video, it'd have a snappy title, and over a weekend, a quarter of a million people could see it. Well, that's absolutely fantastic. But now we're on Telegram, we're on Gab, we're on Odyssey, we're on BitChute, and they're great platforms, and I'm not knocking them, but the public aren't aware of those platforms. So unfortunately, we now have to, if we're going to reach the public, rely on these traditional methods. And there's right ways and wrong ways to go about that. And hopefully today I'll be able to give you some tips on the right ways and also to tell you a little bit about what we're doing with Patriotic Alternative and how we're getting involved in what we call community politics in order to reach people directly in areas that are most affected by problems such as the migrant crisis. So I'll give you an example of this before I pass it back to our host. Um, last year, there was a big issue in the press with a place called Linton on Ouse. Now Linton on Ouse is a place in North Yorkshire. Linton on Ouse is a small village. They have an old disused military base there and that old disused military base had been earmarked as an uh, sort of a refugee slash migrant centre. Now the villagers were up in arms, they didn't really know how to fight back against it. They were very worried, very concerned. They did not want uh, their village to be overrun. And to put things in perspective, you know, these villagers, they had a really good point because the village is only tiny, filled with a lot of people who are slightly older, um, elderly people. And if that village had been flooded with these migrants, what would have happened to it? Well, potentially you could have seen a situation where the entire village was um, at stake people would have literally been reduced to a minority the indigenous people would have been reduced to a minority overnight as soon as that old military base was filled that would have been it done so we went down um, to linton and we worked on the ground with local people and we aimed to spread a message amongst them that something could be done now it is quite hard to spread that message because people are. People can often be quite despondent. People can often um, think there's nothing that can be done. And I'm sure everyone here tonight will understand that, will have met people who have bought into this kind of despair, this sort of black pilling that, you know, it's all over, uh, nothing can be fixed, you know, ho- all hope is lost, essentially. But that really isn't the case. And when we went to linton on ooze we spoke to many, many people who were scared, who were worried, who did have legitimate concerns, and they just wanted to know how to organize. And we started very simply by knocking on doors, by speaking to everybody in the village, carrying out just a small survey. We, at first we didn't even tell these people who we were. We just carried out a small survey saying to them, hey, we are here and we are listening to what you're saying. We're here to help you. We are, I'm going to ask you what you think about this uh, proposed asylum seeker, refugee, migrant centre, whatever you want to call it. And the people gave us their opinion. They didn't want it. So once we knew absolutely these people overwhelmingly don't want it, we basically said, look, we're a patriotic alternative and we are here to help. And the way to help you is not for us to do all the work, but for you to actually join with us and we will show you how to organize as a local community through local channels with our help and we will guarantee that if you do this this isn't going to happen in your area and as you all know or as most of you know hopefully um, that asylum seeker center didn't go ahead it didn't happen the uh, local government and the uh, national government rejected the plans and it didn't go ahead now one of the reasons it didn't go ahead is because we were involved and i'll tell you something now if you are um, working hard within local communities and national or local government knows there's an actual dedicated nationalist alternative working with local people to help them organize against their demographic replacement the government is a lot more likely to act in a way you want it to because the last thing the government wants is an entire village turning to a nationalist alternative. So the government did the right thing. The center never went ahead. And fundamentally that was a win for the people of Linton on Ouse. Now, some people will say, well, Mark, you know, you didn't stop, you you didn't stop them all coming into the country. No, we didn't. They'll say, well, they're just gonna be relocated elsewhere. Well, indeed, that is most likely they will be relocated elsewhere but the fact is it was a win for those people and it showed people elsewhere that all hope is not lost That if you gather together if you organize if you work on that local level with seasoned nationalist activists you too can save your village from that demographic nightmare and that's just one of the different projects we've been involved in over the last 12 months but i hope that sets the tone for tonight and lets all of you guys know that the best way forward in these uncertain times especially with us being cut off from those big social media platforms is to in fact engage in old school old-fashioned community politics with real people on the street and that's how you can start building essentially a better world
0: yeah, Mark, that's brilliant. Um, a lot of really, really good information there. And um, great work in getting that place um, shut down or moved or whatever. Like, But um, yeah, no, that's really good stuff. Do you want to tell us a bit about, um, say, the, the Patriotic, is it? Sorry, the name? The Patriotic Alliance, is it?
1: Patriotic alternative. Well, patriotic oh. alternative is we're not a political party yet. We are trying to get registered, although um, the powers that be are not having much of that. They're doing everything they can to stop us getting registered. But I can tell you this, what we are as a group is we are a campaigning group, an advocacy advocacy group, and we are aiming to raise awareness of the demographic changes that are happening in Britain and Obviously, they, these demographic changes affect Ireland as well. They're happening in every Western nation, and we intend to not only sound the alarm and raise awareness of the demographic changes taking place, but we also intend to show people how that they can how they can go about uh, campaigning against those demographic changes, as we did in Linton. Now we have another a number of different political standpoints, but the one that we're best known for is our uh, issue with mass immigration and demographic change and basically we go out we put out leaflets we do banner drops but we do something that's much much bigger than that you see traditional political parties they're just about the politics they're about going out doing things especially around election time in order to get candidates elected well I already said we're not registered as a political party yet although we want to be so what is our focus and you might be thinking so if you're not doing that what are you doing Well, we are a community-based group as i said earlier and a community-based group we well community-based groups are there to build communities they are there to erect nationalist alternative communities around the uk so we intend to bring people together who are like-minded after we you know put out the leaflets we've helped people we work with people We work with these different communities and then we bring people together and build a nationwide structure. Because one thing that I found throughout my years in nationalism is that people feel quite isolated. Now, we've got 124 people listening tonight and I wish this was in like a big room so I could see you all and you could all raise your hands. But if I said to people, raise your hands if you feel somewhat isolated, raise your hands if you've ever felt that with your political views with your outlook on the world that you feel like a little bit of an outsider and I think most people would probably raise their hands and say yeah I I've, I've felt like that from time to time I felt as if I'm not uh in with the mainstream I'm not a normie and because of that people often find it difficult to uh you know talk to people openly they sometimes find it difficult to talk to their family or their friends or their colleagues they they often wonder uh, if I do speak to my colleagues at work, might I get fired? you know if I say something that's not politically correct or if I speak out against say you know the covid vaccine mandates or uh, the mask policies, will I get blowback? Will I get into any trouble will I become a, a social pariah and that worries people but then people bottle it all up inside and people have no one to talk to they don't have people they can go out and speak with they don't have people that they can share their views with they just have a loose connection of sort of online friends they speak to a group of different avatars in different chat groups people that come and go but you don't form what are proper relationships in those kind of groups so we aim to bring people into the real world we meet at conferences, we meet at political activities, and we also have a number of social gatherings up and down the country every, year, every uh, month, really. Um, we have regional groups, so we don't organise just on a national basis, we organise on a regional and local basis. And this means there's a whole network of people like us, up and down uh, the UK, all meeting regularly, all interacting socially, all pushing towards a similar political goal. And that kills that isolation. It gets rid of that feeling that people have of being alone. And I think there are obviously going to be a lot of people in the chat who understand what I'm talking about when I talk about that isolation, because it is a real negative for many of our people. And I think that that's something that is very important because as time goes by, as we look towards potential future lockdowns, more of this, I mean, in the UK, we are starting to have these climate lockdowns now suggested by certain local councils. We're going to need a network of like-minded people not just to carry out political activity, but as a support group, as a, as a network of people who want to work together, who want to socialise with one another, so that we don't feel so alone, and so we know there's somebody out there who's close by that we know in the real world who've got our backs. And again, if you look at uh, our people, sort of whether it's our people in the UK or our people in Ireland if you look at the history of our people, we have won a huge number of battles against different threats. And we only do, we've only done that, we've only achieved that by standing together as a community. But our communities have become shattered, we've become isolated, we've become atomized. And the important thing is that through our politics, we bring people together in a way that is far more meaningful than just going out and banging out some leaflets. We are bringing people together to ensure that we have that knowledge that we're not alone, that we're not just somebody sat on the internet with no one to talk to and as such we brought people together we've seen um, young couples flourish we've had a number of what we call pa babies you know couples that have come together through the organization and have now had children and i think all these things are wonderful positives and they're helping to build a patriotic alternative into um, well it has built patriotic alternative into britain's premier um, ethno-nationalist group and um, premier ethno-nationalist community, and I hope people tonight in Ireland um, will get in, you know, if if you believe in the same things I do, there are groups in Ireland that uh, represent those viewpoints, and they're trying to do something similar, and I really, really do wish them all the best, and I hope that um, anyone listening to this, you know, will start networking locally with other people and bringing people together in the real world.
0: Yeah, yeah. Just on that, then, because um, I had a question here. You've you've had some good uh, success with the younger uh, cohorts and the, the younger age groups. What um what methods are you using say, to attract them? And um, I agree with yeah, pretty much what, what what you're saying there. Um, the camaraderie or the brotherhood of it all, and the uh, what, making like a social you know be meeting regularly even just not i don't mean socialize to go and get drunk or anything i mean you know that you're meeting regularly and maybe maybe you're basing it around activism is that kind of what you're saying
1: Yeah, we're not a boozing group and we certainly don't sort of condone people coming together uh, and just getting drunk. That's not what we're about at all. When we say socialising, we don't base our activities around drinking. We don't base them around things that, um, of course, problem for nationalists in the past. We base our activities around uh, meeting up, socialising, going for a meal and usually that kind of thing. We do a lot of hiking a lot of fitness and we've got a lot of different groups Um, and you can find these on Telegram. We've got an arts community where people produce art together. We have a gaming group where people can meet up um, online and play video games together. We have um, PA Fitness, which is obviously our fitness group and all these different uh, groups cater for people's different um, preferences in life. Because one thing that we've learned is We are all united around our politics, but there's far more to people than just politics. And When when you meet up, you don't just want to be talking about politics. You don't want to meet up and just talk about one issue. You want to meet people and make friends and being friends with somebody is a much deeper uh, and more meaningful connection than just having politics in common. So we try to get people together in order to ensure that those people become genuine friends and that means if you come out for the politics you might end up leafling with somebody who says you know what i'm really into hiking and then you're off hiking with the next weekend uh, i think it was the one of the first days of the new year we have a climbing club and they went um, to snowdonia and did um, I think it was a thousand foot scramble down one of the deepest um, ravines in Snowdonia. Now that's absolutely fantastic. What a great start to the new year. And that's the kind of thing where these guys, they've got the politics in common, but they've also got the fitness in common. They've also got the climbing in common and it helps people to come out of their shell. So you might never have gone climbing before, but it might be something you've always fancied. And you could go out with the lads, do that. And it really, really does make for a, a welcoming community where people learn new skills, where people uh, make new friends, where people basically push their boundaries and get to do things they might never have done before. And it all builds this very, very healthy support network of people who genuinely care about one another, genuinely enjoy each other's company. And it becomes more than political, it becomes social. And that takes me back to what I was saying, you know, a few seconds ago about how our communities used to operate you know if you look at say any old mining town in in Britain before um, they were destroyed by Thatcher and the conservatives these mining towns were communities they were more than just a town they were communities where everyone knew each other everyone looked after each other people um, did things together you know the kids went to school together they grew up together that they work together and those communities always looked after each other during bad times and and that's what we're trying to build, we're trying to build a lasting community where people will have each other's backs in these uncertain times. And the way we're going about that is a bit different to how previous nationalist parties organised and you asked about young people, well all the things I'm saying they're things that young people enjoy you know during the lockdown when um, Call of Duty Warzone came out, we started having uh, Warzone tournaments once a month. And for about 12 months, 10, 12 months, we hosted these big events with, you know, 135 people playing live online together, you know, a little bit of commentary, a little bit of fun, a prize for the winner, you know, somebody goes away as the champion every month. And that, it brought a lot of young people out of their shells it brought a lot of young people to nationalism it was back when i was on youtube actually and we were we were live streaming these to youtube and i can tell you this now uh, some of these young lads they're talented gamers they're passionate about what they're doing but they came to me and they said look mark i was really isolated i was really alone i was i was going through this lockdown i i, I felt awful about everything i didn't really know how this was all going to end and then i came on to one of your streams I joined a group of four, didn't know anyone. And by the end of the stream, I was having a laugh with these lads. We swapped details, we now game together regularly and I'm part of a little nationalist gaming community and we're all friends and we've got somebody to talk to. And that's what you want, that's what you're trying to do. You're trying to make it so people go away from what you're doing with a positive outlook and with something to smile about. Because again, and I said this earlier, a lot of our people, are so disenfranchised, they're so cut off from society, they're so isolated and atomized because of the way that society is structured. And they don't feel a sense of belonging. They don't feel any sense of belonging within the mainstream because the mainstream is fundamentally, it's anti-white, it's um, anti-traditionalist, it's anti-family in many ways. And because of that, you, you know, they're looking for something else and we're giving them a real alternative and we're giving them a chance to meet like-minded people so they don't feel so depressed. And uh, as a further point to that, my door is always open to people. You know, I get a lot of emails of people who tell me how depressed they are, who tell me how bad they feel about life, about the world. But my door's always open to those people. If people wanna give me a call, if people wanna send me an email, even though I am the founder and leader of the organization, I've always got time for people if they need help. And we've got several different uh, programs and schemes to actually help young people who are in need. One of them is something I run, which is. um, It's called a a CV. It's it's a CV building um, workshop. Where I work one-to-one with young people and help them to build their CVs so a lot of people find it difficult to get a job they find it um, difficult to put together the kind of CV they would need to get the kind of job they desire and I not only help them put together uh, what's called a professional CV but I also go on to help those people with interview techniques And if they need to call me, if they need to sit on the phone with me for, you know, 25 minutes, half an hour, 45 minutes, an hour going through potential questions, what they think they should say in an interview and just some basic life skills. I'm there for that. And I want to add before I pass it back over to you, that isn't something that we charge money for. That isn't something that we um, put a price tag on. All these things that I'm talking about now are free of charge. None of this is something that we make money off. If people need my help, if people need my expertise, if people need help with a CV, I don't charge these people um, a fee. I don't charge people, um, you know, a sort of an hourly rate to sit and talk to me on Skype or anything like that. When we do these things for people, we do them out of the good of our hearts and we do them to enrich other people's lives not to make profits for ourselves so if anyone was going to ask that is there any charges or anything there isn't all of these things are done on a genuinely charitable basis
0: yeah mark that that makes a lot of sense and i get what you're saying like you're trying to forge bonds uh like let's say camaraderie or brotherhood but also like what you're saying there to be able to give people a dig out like from some of their books and stuff i've read on probably similar to saying like some some irish activists they do outreach for homeless people like they they have a whip around they um do food drives and stuff and then they'll distribute it um so i i presume it's a similar thing it's creating goodwill i suppose that you're you're not seen as a menace in the community you're seen as as a positive influence and a and a good role model to these young fellas that want to you know they're you know they're looking for or I suppose they want to change the politics and they can see what's they can they can see all the problems that we can see ourselves um, and they want to get involved and all. So that that's really good uh, tips and stuff there. Um would we bring Sam in, uh, Mark, and, and let him and see if he wants to contribute. Um
1: is Sam to... here, I know his wife isn't very well at the moment, so I didn't know whether he's in tonight, but if he is in tonight, I'd love him to speak because he was the one one thing you've got to understand about a patriotic alternative that he's really, really important to me. Is it's not a one-man party this isn't like there are certain groups I'm not going to mention their names that are basically just one-man organizations which exist around one person but that's not patriotic alternative so when I say some of these wonderful things have taken place that's not all down to me and I certainly shouldn't be the one getting all the credit for it and when it came to the work done in linton upon Ooze, um basically Sam was the dynamo behind all that. So if he's in the chat and he's got something to say about that, I'd love to hear that because he definitely deserves all the credit for that.
2: Hello. Yes. Can you all hear hear me? All right. <clears throat> Mark's been kind Hello. enough to take a breath so we can jump in now. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'm the Yorkshire regional organizer for Patriotic Alternative. And uh, we, we were responsible for Linton basically. Um, yeah. As Mark said, I've, I've been here listening to him started with a, uh, uh, survey taken of the village we went literally it's not a very big village i think there's about 400 people there so only about 100 or so houses so we were able to in in one day just literally knock on every single door um it's a very sleepy little village and was about to receive 1500 young single men um i think the home office as well openly admitted that 10 percent of them would be deemed so dangerous that they wouldn't be allowed off-site but otherwise the other um you know, was at uh, 1,350 of them would be allowed free roam around the village, um, and we basically helped the people of, of the village form a more coherent argument, because at first, the argument that the left was presenting them with um, was that the facilities aren't good enough in the area, so there's not a hospital, there's not uh, an arcade, a bowling alley. Um, Uh, dentist and all this kind of stuff and uh, the Home Office defeated that by saying uh, oh don't worry about that Um, we've got bottomless pockets for the migrants um, so we'll be able to provide all that on-site for them Uh, so immediately that argument got defeated Um, and the more coherent argument is one where it's like (laughs) there's literally a danger to our children here Um, and uh, frankly the fact that detention centers are full Uh, now overflowing into hotels, and now hotels are full, and overflowing into uh, disused military bases that are having to be converted at a huge expense means that our uh, immigration system doesn't work. We've we've essentially got an open border, and clearly there's no limit to uh, the resources that will be spent allowing these people in. Um, So obviously Linton got cancelled because... Basically we, we made a big noise about it. Um, the villagers themselves, they were happy to deal with just their local councillor and hope their local MP had their best uh, best uh, interests at heart. Clearly that was false. Um, and we, we told them it's like the best thing you can do is make as much noise as possible and create a national support for you. And they did that, which meant that the Home Office had to back off. And now um, we are seeing in East Yorkshire, in Cottingham, uh, another village, They're looking to convert university accommodation for 1,100 men. Um, They're going to turn that into a migrant facility. It is next door to a high school. Um, And uh, the people of Cottingham saw what we did in Linton and have taken that on board and are making as big a stink as possible. We've got a very big demo coming um, this weekend on Saturday at two two o'clock. And we're looking at a few hundred people there um, in the center of Hull. They've already done a march in, in Cottingham. Um, the locals, they're just up in arms immediately. There's no no worries about if the facilities are good enough or anything like that. It's like, no, I'm scared for my children. Um, they shouldn't be here. We need to be turning them back before they even land. It's, um, it's the arguments that need to be put forward. Um, and I think the arguments... Are national on scale as well there's been a few people saying like oh we don't want people from outside the village getting involved and just as we've seen in, in Ireland as well um, national and international support only helps these things and this issue won't be addressed until we address it on a national le- level the people of Linton wanted to keep it quite local but obviously it didn't happen in Linton. So the home office is looking elsewhere. They found Cottingham and Cottingham are saying, no, we want this addressed at the route um, rather than just moving it down the line. Um, Cause I think uh, eventually it has to happen. You know, we can't keep, keep saying, please not in my backyard. You know, someone else's is, it's, it's not fair. And it means that everyone around you then doesn't want to support you because it's like, all right, then it means it's coming to me. Um, so yeah, we've got, uh, people are seeing and people are kind of taking notice of how we did, we did things and how we're doing things. And um, and I think that's part of, like you were saying, our appeal is the fact that we're not doing things the way that parties have done in the past. We are kind of um, writing a new rule book. And I think for a lot of young people, that's a very refreshing thing to see.
0: Yeah, no, that it sounds brilliant what you're doing and fair play to you for, for that win you got. Um, the the scale of the problem, like for us, I suppose we're we're a far smaller country, like. But you know, they drop three hundred men in here or one hundred and fifty men in there, and we're up in arms over. It. But like when you talk about numbers, like you know, we're going to put fifteen hundred or a thousand people in, like it's it blows my mind. Like it's just absolutely crazy what's going on.
2: Oh, dude, it it starts with the few hundred. Um, that village in Cottingham, they had Thwait Hall, which could house two hundred. Um they are in there. Um, There's not, there's just been a few kind of local instances of girls getting catcalled and stuff like that, but no kind of, there's not really been much of a backlash against it. Um, But obviously there is a tipping point for people. And um, in a lot of cases, it's, it's big numbers like this, you know, 200 people in a very private accommodation, they won't be noticed. And, and, um, and it kind of goes under people's radar, but uh, something on this scale, it really highlights, um there the, 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 and for you in ireland it's beginning it's building up speed and tell you what eventually the 300 person accommodations they'll be full and the only, the only thing left then will be like uh, oh do we have any uh well like like we have in in the uk do you have any any abandoned military bases prisons uh university accommodation is literally it's anywhere well, they can the,
0: sh- we're at that level yeah, we're at yeah. that level here. Yeah, they're just putting them into old industrial units now and, uh, you know, exactly. Yeah. They can
2: fit yeah. yeah, yeah, and it's like that money to convert it, you know, it's just, you know, stick bunk beds in there, just get them in. It's like they've literally, um, there's no concern as to it's like, uh, can we process them at this speed with this amount coming it's, in? It's, it's any, like any it doesn't matter.
0: Money. It's, it's human that, trafficking yeah. is what I call it. It's just human trafficking and, and, and profiteering. I know with the Ukraine thing, we've got like, Ukraine maybe some of them are fleeing war maybe they're genuine maybe they're not but to me it's just war profiteering i know you have circle it's a big big company over there that's kind of involved with all the migrants but here in ireland we have a lot of um there's a lot of private guys that's just making like two hundred and fifty thousand a month for putting these people up um just that's only one example you know like this is huge like there's perverse incentives basically is what i'm oh, saying yeah. to you like they, 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 yeah, they don't want to stop this because there's it's a big money money racket.
2: Yeah, yeah, There's, um, I think there's hotels. There was a one in the UK that recently kind of made, made a big name for itself by turning down the home office's offer. Um, and it was a million for a year, which uh, for a hotel is like just a fat chunk of cash like that. And then also in the contract is once, once the migrants have moved out, we pay for a renovation and basically a fix of any issues you've got. So it's like you get a million quid up front plus a renovation. It's like if all you're concerned about is money, um, then you're not going to see any issue with it. And calling back to Mark, it's like with the fact that we haven't got a community, we haven't got a real society. No one feels any responsibility for those around them. So these hotels that take the money and, you know, fill, fill their own pockets and fill the hotel rooms, um, there is no concern for the impact on the wider um, society there, for the town, uh, for the people surrounding them
0: they're a threat to the, to the working class especially because their competition I don't know if these half of them aren't even allowed to work here in Ireland so I was going to say but in general like flooding the place with, with low skilled or, or zero skill uh, people it's direct competition to the working class people are in those areas who, who want to get a job or want to have health care or want to send their children to school like they're they're direct threats to especially the most vulnerable in our own societies you know so it, it just doesn't it doesn't make any sense to me why they would why why they would do it well i know huh? I, there's plenty of, i have plenty of um conspiracies and ideas as to why they're doing it but none of them are for our own national interest i can tell you
2: that's the thing it's like if if the only benefit of immigration that's built to you is like you know oh the gdp goes up uh unemployment goes down um and you know profits go up and it's like okay but you know, a, a nation isn't made up of a stock market. It's made up of people. And if if you're just going to re- replace the, the people, then um, it's not a nation that I want to do anything for.
0: Yeah, they want a bunch of compliant, um, they want some form of communism. Do you know what I mean? If you bring in all these people and they're uh, reliant on the state, you know, they're going to vote for more, like they don't have skin in the game. They're not coming over to the UK buying a house or, you know, setting mm. up a business. They've, they're coming over with the handout. And they're going, to, um, they're going to vote for or they're going to support any parties that they perceive is going to, going to keep handing them stuff.
2: Yeah, and they don't remember how it used to be. You know, our people remember when, when uh, owning a house was something that used to happen. Um, but for people who are arriving now, uh, you can essentially set like a new low bar in terms of quality of life and have that be the new standard. Um, whereas, you know, we've got parents who can tell you, it's like, oh yeah, I bought my first house for 15,000 and you just, your mind's blown by it. Um, whereas if you, if you're arriving fresh off the boat now, the idea of owning a house is just like, yeah, well, I mean, why would you, why would you own a house? You know, you can just uh, rent constantly for the rest of of your life and you never expect anything different.
0: And, and just another point on that as well, with a lot of these guys that are coming in, they they know how to have children, like they know how to procreate. They're well able to, you know, have five or six, seven kids. Um, so their their demographics are are increasing, not unlike the, the natives in in Western Europe, that we're in decline. In Ireland, here our birth our birth uh, replacement level is below what it should be. Um, so while we're in decline these people are coming in and they're they're just exploding in numbers and um, patricia's here she's wants to come in she's um she looks after the podcaster with me as well she's just after coming online
3: yeah, thanks. Uh, thanks, Gavin. Uh, yeah, um, I just want to thank Sam and Mark uh, for coming on with us tonight. And uh, the information that you're imparting to us is absolutely valuable. Um, I just I just want to touch base there with Sam real quick. Um, I really appreciate you coming on tonight. I know Laura is uh, quite ill. And um really I just want to touch base on you now that you were a father and um do do you feel more impassioned um you know to safeguard the future for you know for your children and and I guess you know every everyone here now I know myself I'm a parent and it's really impassioned me, you know, to you know put the ego aside and you know just try and get everybody to the table and you know try and sort this um you know, mess
2: out. Oh my God, yeah. Um, one of the things we ran into Linton a lot because it's an older demographic. Um, a lot of people saying, uh, oh, "It doesn't matter to me. I'm going to be dead in ten years," and that mentality, uh, as, someone, as someone with a child, it's like there's you want to take as much of the fight on yourself so that you're not leaving. I mean, every parent wants to leave the world a better place than they they than they found it for their children to enjoy. And what we're looking at, um, we're looking at a future that is very bleak if nothing is done. So it's upon all of us, whether we're parents or not, to try and improve that future. And I know, um, I think Mark's daughter's uh, two years older than mine, and I remember when he first had her and he would say, oh, all of a sudden uh, everything's just, uh, it's a little bit more real. And I definitely found that with mine as well. Um, I, I catch myself often looking at her and just, you know she's one year old now it's like a little chubby little face and everything and there's just so much innocence to her and I want to try and forge a country in which that innocence can be preserved and I don't have to at the age of 10 you know I uh, have to warn her about the kind of world we live in right now and that's only going to get worse as our demographic situation declines
3: yeah, thanks, Sam. and uh, our, our regards to Laura. Hope she's hope she's on the mend. And uh, this question is for Mark as, as well. Um, I, I one thing that I really admire about your about your party is the fact that uh, women have just as much of a say and are as much active in your party um, as the men are. And I think it's it's really fantastic to see. I mean, obviously, Laura is there as deputy head. And um, she's really, really out there and it's really empowering to see that's been you know envisioned and we have you know we have um melissa o'neill on the chat here as well and you know she's stepping out there as well over here in ireland Uh, she's putting herself forward um you know and she's taken a lot of flack along the way as well you know so it's fantastic just to see what you guys are doing and you know the fact that the ladies are are really strong to the fore in your party and i just really admire that about you guys
1: well, thank you for saying that. Thank you for such kind words. And, and also, sorry for speaking for so long earlier. I didn't actually realise Sam had turned up, so I thought I was carrying it myself for the night. So I would have uh, I'd have been slightly briefer with my answers had I realised that Sam was actually here. But yeah, I think it's really important to get women on board. And, you know, women do make up uh, 50%, roughly 50% of the population. And on top of that, women actually have a, a certain energy and a certain kind of passion that, I don't think men do. And Laura certainly embodies that. They have, they bring something else to the table. And I think the battle that we're facing today is certainly not just a, a battle for men to be involved in. And I think that women, when they see their children, you know, especially when they see their children threatened, um, they bring something to the table that I don't think men can. And what's more, I think when our message comes from a woman, I do think it softens the message somewhat and people are uh, more willing to listen in some cases. And Laura is an absolutely wonderful, wonderful person. And although she is the deputy, every decision we make, we make it together. Um, nobody overrules the other. And I think that gives the organisation uh, more strength rather than less strength. And because Laura's in the position that she is, it has given a lot of other women um, the strength to step forward. And when you come to PA events, uh, people generally say, wow, I didn't expect there to be this many women here. And nationalism has often been uh, sort of filled with organizations that are very um, heavily male dominated. And I'm really happy that we are um, empowering women to get involved. And I hope that leads to you know, greater growth in the movement down the line and empowers more women to start speaking out about this. Because when you look um, at the victims of a lot of this migrant crime, it is actually women and children. So getting women on board to speak about their experiences and to stand up against this is very, very important. Uh, it's
0: very important. I, I, you're dead right and um, the women um, do have a lot more to lose than even men in this like i was on twitter last night and there's women sharing stuff there they're afraid to walk the street at night time um so for sure like they're and um the, and to give the women credit during the last three years here with these uh totalitarian dictates and whatever else it was the women that were on the the forefront just lads to bring it back then because there's people on this right you've probably seen what's going on in east wall and in um Ballymun and moon and these um local uh grassroots protests that are springing up outside these uh centers and stuff there's people on this um chat and like they, they're, they're just trying to figure out how would they go about under as a, as a person on the ground in the local area what would be the first steps for them to try and just get a little a group you know just get the seed of a of a group going in the local area regarding flyers and stuff or what would be your first steps um either one of you can take that question if you want mark Do one second
1: no, I'll let Sam take that one. I said I've spoke a lot earlier and, and Sam is really, really good when it comes to the local politics. And he's also very, very good at arranging local demonstrations. And he's not bad speaking on the mic either. Uh, when it comes to those big events, it can be quite <laughs> stressful when you have to give a speech through a megaphone. And Sam's really good at that. So Sam, take away my friend and tell everyone how you do it.
2: Uh, well, uh, as bad as social media can be for us, it's actually incredibly useful for organizing people. Um, If you've got Facebook, as almost half the world does, if if not more, then uh, Facebook groups are the easiest way to kind of immediately compile a base of people. Um, In terms of this Cottingham one, I think it overnight they had a Facebook group with over a thousand people in, um, some from further afield, but mainly locals. And uh, it's just a case of being the one to stand up and get your head above the parapet for the most part. A lot of the times, the the best organizer is just the person who stands up. Um, so, in the case of Cottingham, there was, was a local, uh, a, a local man who just called a meeting in a local uh, hall and just said let's get here and let's talk about the issue that's facing us and uh, that that got passed around the local facebook group and word of mouth and then they got together and at that meeting they arranged their first march which was just this saturday just gone i think they had about four possibly 500 people on that Uh, so most most of the population came out for it which is fantastic Um, but i know there's people who were involved at that early stage who have kind of gone like oh i've never done this people organizing thing before it's actually quite difficult um what's really good is having a tight team um in yorkshire i've got a really good set of guys around me um and a girl actually um who are fantastic at helping me organize people uh we've got a central email account um and then a lot of the time say like this protest we've got I mean, up no, it's just taking the plunge and arranging it, and kind of if you build it, they will come. Um, and he, you just kind of take it on your own shoulders. Um, I think a lot of what, what you can do when you're divided, uh, you can get in touch with your local MP, your councillors, contact them. But I think a mass protest is something that it doesn't come about organically, it can feel like it does, but it doesn't. It normally takes someone deciding a time, a date, not. Fannying around, like it's like, oh, when's that? Everyone free, just time, date, place. We're doing it here. Um, and and moving on from that point. Uh trying to think what we've done really. It's it's a rough one because and I think it's also having a group. I know there's been a lot of talk of it's like we should all be in individuals and we shouldn't have a group or anything like that, but as soon as you have a group, it's like a force multiplier. Um, you wouldn't send an army in um, with everyone just wearing their own their own clothes, would you? It's like you have a uniform, uh, you have a team that you work with. Um, and I think what we've seen in East Wall is, is a few people who have kind of stood, stood up, taken charge of things. A lot of the time, it's just whoever's willing to get on, on, on a microphone or in front of a camera. Uh, we've seen a lot of the citizen journalists, um, the likes of Active Patriot and Steve Laws. These aren't people who kind of set themselves up as like, I am going to lead the movement. They're just the people who felt they had to do something. And it was the same when I took on the role of regional organizer. Um, I just kind of went, I'll have a go at that. I've never done this before, but three years in and I I love it. I love bringing pe- uh, people together and I love making a difference. Um, so I think it's being aware that there's a bit of people management there, um, but a, a lot of it is just having the balls to go out there and get it done um, rather than, uh, just wait, 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 for someone else to take take control. That person should be you. If there's no one there t- taking control, be the one. You know. Um, and I think if, if we had more pe- people like that, we'd be seeing a lot more progress. Um, but yeah, the the all ones are f- fantastic, and I think what you really benefit from over there in Ireland is the fact that you've still got uh, in recent memory an ethnic identity. Um, obviously, you know, the troubles weren't that long ago and, but it's left you, you, you were a strong community during those, um, where, whichever side you're on, you were a community, which meant that when these people came in, you were still able to come together as a community. I think what the Britain has, what we've really lost out on is that sense of community. So when these things land, we've really got to build it back up. Um you know most people don't like the neighbors or anything like that and it's like uh there's just not that history um so i i think you've as sad as it is what ha- what ha- happened you have benefited from it now uh, um which i think is is fantastic and it's, it's really heartening to see how well you, you guys have pulled it together
0: yeah no it's great to see what's what it's just sprung up there over the last month or two um it's great to see it because it was very disheartening there for a while but um a lot of people are very worried. We've had some high profile uh, murders and um, crimes over the last couple of years. Um, there was an incident last week in, in one of these um, migrant centers or barracks, as I call them, plantation centers. But anyway, we had like 20 men involved, four people arrested. They were stabbing each other in there. It's like this stuff is getting them. Um, it's getting national attention and people aren't. They're not one to happy about. But just back on that, Sam, so you're saying Someone wants to maybe try something in their own area. They just set up a a Facebook group or something, starting off, and then
4: yeah,
2: I I think that's the the easiest way uh, because people feel a lot lot more brave online. I think if you went out into the middle of the street and said, "Here's what I believe. Come and sign up on the dotted line." I don't think you'd get many takers, but you get people willing to just join a Facebook group and then see what's going on, Um, and that's how you kind of bring people in. And you'll start to see who's more vocal you know, who's sharing posts, who's, who's getting involved in the comments. And you'll start, start to see it's the same names popping up over and over again. Um, and it's a very quick way of just getting, um, getting your group out there. You might not have a name, but as long as you're united towards a single aim, then you're able to multiply that, that, that force. Um, so yeah, I, would say the, the initial thing is Facebook group, um, and then from that, If you've got a small team, you can look at leafleting. Um, again, we've got a ton of people who are good at graphic design in this thing. Normally, if you just put the question out there, you'll have someone who, uh, who's got a spare hour to just chuck something together for for you. Um, and then you can go door, door to door, get the people who haven't, you know, they don't pay as close attention to the Facebook and, um, and start and start to build up a group there as well. And at a certain point you'll feel it's like, right, let's, let's do a demonstration. And that first one, it might be small, but it's something it's action. And, uh, that's, that's the first step. It's like, it, it might just be, you know, you and five others, but next time it'll be 10 and the time after that will be 50 and after that it'll be a hundred. And like what we're going to see in Hull, hopefully this weekend, um, this will be the biggest demonstration that Patriotic Alternative has pulled off after the Drag Queen story hour protest that that we had last summer Um, So it's, uh, you know, once that stone starts rolling it doesn't stop
0: Oh good stuff, good stuff. It's great stuff. Um, Mark, do do you have any comments on that or are you happy enough?
1: No, Sam's sort of knocking out of the park, and I will say this though: Sam sort of underplays a, a little bit of the local stuff. He was talking about the Facebook group, but Sam did knock. You know, Sam and his team knocked on every door in um, Linton, and I, I've got to say this: you can never underestimate that personal touch. And when I was in the BMP. There was a lot of people who were scared about initially getting involved with a nationalist group because the media plays this sort of card that, you know, we're all terrible, we're all scary, that we're not personable folks, that, you know, you wouldn't want people like us in your neighborhood. And that's one of the media tricks to put people off getting involved with nationalist groups. Now, the interesting thing there is if you do what Sam did, and knock on doors and the bmp used to do this it really does dispel the myths and the nonsense about you and what you'll find is if people have a face-to-face meeting with you if people actually um, see you and spend five ten minutes talking to you on the doorstep it's a lot harder for those people to ever believe lies about you or you know to read a smear leaflet and take it on board once they've actually met you once they've actually had that conversation and I think that's a really important thing to remember because um, when we as I say when we were in the BMP that was definitely something that we um, we noted we noted that people were absolutely um, scared at first of doing anything with a nationalist group but once they'd actually met somebody once it actually had that conversation that was the point where they said actually you know what these are decent people these smear leaflets they're rubbish i don't believe what the media is saying you know these guys are nice you know nice folk and that is what you're trying to um that is what you're actually trying to build you're trying to get that out of people you're trying to get people to understand that you know the media are lying to them and that you know we are the good guys and you the best way in my opinion to do that is through uh you know not you not so much your social media stuff but it's through actually face-to-face interactions And through those face-to-face interactions you can build a real real trust and that again that's how you build real communities yeah, yeah I to, so- uh...
2: sorry i was just on that as well. So yeah, there's uh the mainstream parties can rely on the media to basically put forward their stories. We can't. Um and and, and and any group who uh uh is pushing back against the establishment can't rely on that at all. So yeah it's it's actually getting two people directly that's the best way of getting your message out there and I think canvassing is definitely a, a kind of lost art no one really does it anymore uh the politicians don't really do it especially they're just kind of uh they rely on um, over here. You, you either vote Labour or Tory, and that's it. Um, they don't really have to go door to door and sell you. You you know you've voted Labour for generations. You will do again. Um, whereas I think we we do benefit from going and speaking to people directly. Definitely.
0: I think that be that could be a very good tactic for Ireland. And um, for this, for the reason is the Irish people are very worried about what other people think about them and what they say about them, and the the media. Like to call it dog whistles or whatever so you know far right racist this that and the other and people are terrified to be labeled under that label actually a lot of people are shaking off that now they don't actually care they're beginning to be able to, to stand up and speak out but basically what i'm saying is that's probably a really good tactic for for the irish mentality as well because you know when you're when you're oh you're far right or you're anti or you're this you're that they actually meet you on the door and you can express yourself articulately you're not the big boogeyman or whatever that they try to pinch out to be because they do um do alternative activism. They do put out stickers and flyers against you and try and uh, blacken you and smear anybody that associates with uh, as one of these isms or whatever. So um yeah, I'd say that's really good um good information, especially for the Irish situation. Uh,
1: does anyone have a question there, Stephen? Have you a question there, Let's you...
2: There's a Melissa with a hand up as well.
4: Yeah, I have have a question for Mark. Um, Realistically, I should be talking to Sam because I'm I'm, I'm, I'm involved in the local activism side of things here. But this question is burning a hole in my head ever since I saw the video of uh, you, Mark, and Russell Brand, when Russell Brand was a filthy, effeminate Marxist and you were a young, impressionable guy and it was it it it, it's it's the clearest example of the shift in the overton window watching that video and now watching you and russell brand today because i don't think you've changed that much but the whole of society has outgrown you and passed you and woke has even gone further than russell brand to the point where he's now talking a bit of sense For, for to what ends who knows what would you ever think about doing a part two or reunion?
1: Yeah, of course I would. Uh, it's something a lot of people have actually asked me saying, would you would you be willing to do something like that? And of course I wouldn't. I think I think it would be absolutely brilliant. I'd I'd, I'd do that in a heartbeat. And I think it's quite interesting to see that when I was a young man, I was very, very um, outspoken about two issues. Uh, one was obviously demographics. The other was Jewish influence. and I think when you look at all of the things that I was saying back then, and you look at where we are now, and I've stuck by my guns over the last two decades, I haven't backed down at all. You can actually see that um, I was pretty much right in predicting what would happen. And people like Russell Brand, who used to, at one point, laugh at me, you know, point at me and you know make fun of me, and I was an object of ridicule. I think he's been forced to take on some of the talking points that um i was making then and, and that to me is very interesting and obviously i don't you know wish him any ill will i hope he i hope he continues on his political journey and absolutely wakes up to the issues that we um as people of Euro- european descent and also people all over the world face uh, but yeah it, it, it is interesting and i would i would love a, i would i would love a reunion with russell definitely I, I think you
4: should do it because it it it, it would um, you, you know you know when you visualise something for to somebody and if if you and Russell were to talk again, and to show people how back then Russell, look, to be fair I I think he actually did admire some aspects of your personality and God forbid if I say it maybe you planted the seed in his head back then, but looking at it now and and getting the two of you to watch back at that video and discuss it would be so powerful for anyone watching it to kind of come to terms with holy shit society has gone really far in a certain direction and we need to fix this if it was an amicable conversation that is
1: maybe somebody needs to start a petition on one of those big petition sites and, and it needs to be a get Mark and Russell back together uh, to 20 year reunion in incoming. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm up for it. I'm up for it. I'd definitely do it. I'd be more than happy to uh, do it in good spirit as well. Be
0: brilliant exposure. Uh, Melissa, I have a question there. If um, just keep it brief because we're tight for time. Thanks. Melissa.
5: Hi, thank you, Gav. Um, just maybe to um, Mark first, um, community is the key. 37 years at it and it is certainly the key. Mine are youth mental health. I like your ideas. I'm doing something practically identical here. Getting them together, getting them out, doing things. So fantastic work there on the community side. People don't realise the power that is within the community. Sam, fantastic work. Yes, face to face is what it's all about. We're doing it here. Um, Sorry, my name is Melissa O'Neill, Irish Freedom Party. We're at the Nationalist registered, took us two years, so we know the struggle of getting registered. There's a few trying to get registered in this country. They've changed all the laws here to make it difficult. But can I just say and ask, where were you both on the Brexit? Has it made a difference? And were any involved in the Fiona Diamond um, large protests that did kind of kick off even for us here and in Belgium? and those were did they allow you any kind of airspace in those corners please
1: i was actively involved in the brexit campaign and i was for the leave campaign and i think brexit was interesting because i think it was something where there was a a really clear divide between people and politicians and the politicians have showed their contempt for the people time and time again when it comes to Brexit. And the one thing I find very disappointing about Brexit is not that it didn't necessarily happen as people wanted it to. I didn't actually think it would. I thought that people would vote that way and it would then lead to a situation where politicians were shown up as being very disingenuous. But unfortunately, and this is my big bugbear, Despite the fact that these politicians were all shown up for being so damn disingenuous, unfortunately, the situation is people don't seem to have learned from that, which is the thing that annoyed me the most. And the other thing you asked, um, the the protests, I'm not sure what particular protests those were. I, I wasn't involved in them. So sorry about that.
6: Can I ask you a question quick? The two gentlemen are absolutely fabulous. Um, I'm involved with eco bills we, we We're a lot of hands on uh, back to nature approach basically what we want to do is we want to give people a sense of pride about what they can do with their hands so teach them how to make eco bills teach them the old traditional irish skills take the youth away from being obsessed with technology but this is this is the challenge we're having we, and we know we will have how i heard you saying you you had you know you got youth groups together got them in gaming we want them to have that we, we don't want them to give up that but we want them to Get their eyes off the phone and learn to have a sense of nature. Get back to the nature. Learn skills. Become creative. Because I feel this is being taken from us. Is there any tips you can give me in regards to kind of more younger people? Uh, how we could approach them? How is is there is there anything you can you can just help out? Tip. Uh, well, I'll say this:
1: say. people do like gaming, um, and they do like their screens and their computers, but. I can speak for young men, especially. I think Sam will back me up on this. And obviously, Sam should have his say on this because he does a lot of this with young people, too. Um, When we did the first ever um, event that we held before it was even called Patriotic Alternative was actually a camping event. And you might find that odd, but I always find that the outdoors brings out, well usually, it doesn't, not in everyone, but I find it brings out the best in most people. And young men especially still love that. And when you get them outdoors and you get them away from the screens and you get them around other young men and you get them bonded, it brings out something special. And I can tell you this, I think what you're doing and what you've said to me just then is absolutely beautiful and amazing doing things with people that helps them learn to use their hands that helps them learn traditional arts and crafts all of that is fantastic and it can be something as small as going and catching a fish preparing it cooking it and eating it with a group but all of those things are really really important but the what you're saying then about you know building these little eco settlements that sounds absolutely fantastic and i tell you what that isn't something we're particularly doing at the moment but it is something I would absolutely love to do. Anyway, yeah. I'll pass it over to Sam because he yeah, works okay. for a lot young people too.
2: Yeah, it really sounds amazing. I'd love to come on to something like that. Um, yeah, we've we we found it's it's getting the the young ones out because obviously the the way video games work now they they basically uh, they they take that achievement side of your brain that, that side that wants to accomplish things to summit things, and it it, it just floods it with dopamine so it's like after every game of call of duty or whatever you're getting levels up and guns are unlocking and things are exploding you know, it's it's oh you know it really appeals to uh the kind of brain chemistry to make people feel like oh i'm, I'm doing something here so it's breaking them away from that and we've found We've had a lot of success with scrambling recently. Uh, scrambling is a term for, of of mountaineering, and basically it goes up to gr- a grade three scramble. After that, you're then rope climbing. So, um, But a, a scramble is something you, you can do with just a decent pair of shoes, um, and it's not too dangerous. A grade three can get a bit sketchy at times. Um, but we've found a lot a lot of the young guys really enjoy that. You get a bit of an adrenaline rush, and you get to, a, to the top of a mountain, and instead of it being a slog up a path, you've cut, like, kind of as the crow flies, Straight up the side of a rock face, so it it, it appeals much more to that um, accomplishment side. We've had paintballing, um, which has brought a lot of the younger guys out as well. It feeds into that competitive spirit. And one of our uh, most popular walks we actually did was a foraging one. We had a professional forager um, come, and we basically had this route planned, and he was showing us the various mushrooms, various. Uh, fauna that's just around and uh, our flora should i say um and he was showing us this is what you can do you can cook with it he was showing us this mushroom that's i think it grows on the side of birch trees but on the underside you can actually peel off the skin of this mushroom and it's an antiseptic so it's like if you had a cut he was like if you cut a strip strip of this and wrap it around it will keep your cut clean and actually uh you know be better for you than a plaster and it's this kind of stuff that really does appeal to people I've been wanting for a while now Um, there's a few places in the UK that do it but you basically live for um, a couple of nights in the woods and they teach you how to snare um, and what you can eat and what you can't eat in the woods Um, and you learn fire making stuff like that I'd really love to do that with some of the, the younger guys I know we've got a lot of people involved who have these skills And it's finding those who have the skills and being like, would you like to run a workshop? Um, One of my best guys in Yorkshire, young guy, um, but he's a scout leader. And uh, whenever we've been out on walks and there's been kids or we've been camping or whatever, he's been more than willing to show them how to whittle something, how to start a fire, like all this kind of scout knowledge that that he has, he wants to pass down. Um, So these courses you're setting up sound fantastic. Um, And the hardest thing is, yeah, kind of prizing the kids away. I've got uh, family members you know I've got a niece who is just glued to a phone Um, but if you can get her outside she loves it running around climbing all all over everything it's just getting them out the door that first step Um, and I think that's I suppose uh, it's making it if you've got that community then they trust you to come with you Um, you, so it's yeah, yeah sorry
6: and you give them a sense of pride yeah. if you show a young child how to make something simple and build up the confidence which we have done children's workshops but we just want to take it that little step further and you have given the great advice We just it's kind of like we need a one-stop shop with many activities in it and to attract the the older the younger and just to, to have this bonding and comradeship basically and and yeah. that's thanks
0: um thanks stuff for that i just want to bring Joel yeah. marsh in um, because he, he was really instrumental in getting this podcast and everything together. How are you keeping, Joe? Hope you're keeping well. The real Welsh nationalist. And here you, Joe.
1: Uh, While we wait for Joe, I'll just add to Dove, um, one of the
2: things that made the Scouts and all all these uh, organizations very successful with the youth was the badge system. Um, So if you can set up a kind of uh, hierarchy of achievements and, um, you know, embroidered badges, they're not too expensive, especially if you buy them in bulk, but uh, having like a kind of progression system, um, then that, that can always keep people kind of engaged and and hooked on a longer term. So, uh, that might be an, an idea as well. And as we know, for the scouts and, uh, uh, what's the, what's the girl's version? I, I, I can't remember. Um, but, uh, there's the brownies and girl guides, brownies and girl guides. That's the ones, um, they are heavily infiltrated by the left and also, uh, health and safety and all, all this kind of stuff. Uh, yeah, the, the kind of people who are running those groups, um, they've got an agenda so if you can provide like hey do you want to like if you go into scouts now you're probably not going to be out in the woods making fire you're going to be um i don't know learning how best to wash your hands after having met somebody or something like that you know it's so if you you can provide a real alternative you know with real traditions and real heritage i think that's going to be really appealing to a lot of people
0: Definitely. I think we'll just take one more question here from, um, Otto William. He's had his hand up there. Ed.
6: Thank you, uh, for the opportunity to speak here. Uh, first of all, Sam, you know,
7: you're a joy to watch, joy to listen to. Uh, I don't know if you drink, but you definitely seem like the kind of bloke I would want to have a pint with. So, uh, <laughs> thank you. I hope, uh, I hope Laura as well, soon enough as well. And, uh, Mark, I've been watching you for a, a good few years. At this point, I first learned about you through uh, the iconic last. You, you appeared on his channel a couple of times, and he—I know he—he appeared on PWR as well. Uh, I, I was just wondering—I uh, was just wondering if you knew anything about what happened to him because I—I knew I know—I uh, know he was uh, banned off YouTube sometime right about in the middle of 2020 when you had the uh, Black Lives Matter and. He talked about going on a bit shoot after that or something. He, I, I know he appeared on PWR after that as well, but he, he just seems to have uh, vanished off the face of the earth since then. And I'm, I'm not sure what's, what's happened there. Is, is he just, I, I, I don't know. I don't know if you would know anything, but it, it seems to me like he just wants to kind of live a private life, kind of uh, contribute to the co- cause in its own private way. I'm, I'm sure I'm sure he still follows patri- patriarchal, Patriotic, alternative. Sorry, uh, but uh, yeah, I don't. Know. I don't
1: actually know. Um, last time I spoke to him was quite some time ago, and I think he's trying to start a family and sort of get his life into order in that way. But I, I think what happens with a lot of content creators, especially larger ones uh, like Iconoclast, is when they did get their bans from you know the um, these big platforms, it is very hard then to make videos when you're used to getting sort of you know hundreds of thousands of views it can become very difficult to sort of make um, you know make videos on smaller platforms and just get you know 5,000 views or something like that and I, I do think when we saw that big YouTube purge we really did um, lose a lot of good people there were a lot of good content creators who disappeared, and sadly, he was one of them. And he was one of the best. Um, him and Way of the World, for my money, were were two of the best content creators, and you know, we've ever had in the national sphere. I know Way of the World still makes videos, but um, it is, you know, I hope one day, um, you know, the iconoclast does uh, come back and start creating content again because his his stuff was absolutely superb. And obviously, I, I wish him all the best for anything that he does in the future but it would be great to have him back at some point
7: yeah yeah i hope so and i hope he's keeping well because like i think for a lot of us he was sort of a like uh not just in britain but of course i'm here in ireland and uh, he, uh, for a lot of us he was uh, a gateway drug so to speak i, I don't know if that's a no
1: that's no i understand it. what you mean and look the thing with um iconoclast which is something special is he was a really personable and relatable guy so I did a number of different streams with him. I've worked with him. I've spoken to him personally. He is a really, really lovely fella, and I do wish him all the best. And I hope he's, you know, I hope he's found what he's looking for. And if one day he comes back, that would be an absolute, you know, that'd be absolutely brilliant for the movement as a whole because he's a really good guy.
0: Stuff. Um, that's it, so lads. Right, you've been really good with your time and everything. I think it's been really productive. Um, your wealth to knowledge the pair you keep up the good work you're doing it sounds like you're starting off something something that you know, could be a bit middle something magic i was going to say but yeah hopefully it'll it'll come together for you
1: well thank you so much for having us on i'll give sam the last word but thank you so much for having us on and you know i hope you guys in ireland i, I know you said something earlier that i was going to raise but it, it is a really important point you know there's there's a lot of people here in the UK, an awful lot of people, but in Ireland, there's I think there's about you know, what is it about five million native Irish, indigenous Irish people, and that means you don't have a huge number of people. And it's only going to be a relatively you know, here in the UK, we get several million people arriving in the UK every year, but if you get two million people or just two and a half million people arriving in Ireland over two years, that's enough. To not only increase your population by about 50% but to massively change the demographic balance of your whole country so I really hope you guys manage to turn things around because I think it would be a real crying shame um, after what your ancestors have been through all the things they fought for to, to see them reduced to a minority in their ancestral homeland so I wish you guys all the best and thank you so much to everyone who joined this stream tonight thank you for hosting us it's been great
2: yeah, thank you for having us on, guys. It's uh, one struggle against uh, those who are looking to replace us all. So um, it's it's really good that we're able to reach hands across the Irish Sea and uh, work and work together on these things. Thank you.
0: So, yeah, thanks,
3: really for and, uh, and we'll get Laura, we'll get Laura on, on at some stage uh, once she's um, feeling a little better in the next. Yeah, few I'm months. sure
2: she'd love to. All right. Well, thank you very much, guys. Have a great night. I'll uh, see you around.
0: Thanks a million, guys. Bye-bye. Thank, thank you. you.
2: Thank you. And good night.